Is that really in the Bible? Well, we were all born into a ready-made world of religion. I, uh, I don't think any of us ever questioned it. We, we assume the traditions around us come uh, straight from the Bible. Most people are educated by the Bible, by what they've been told by others. My minister said so. It's the greatest authority they have. Uh, they wholeheartedly put their trust in another's opinion about the Bible. Well, in seminary school, a man or woman is taught a theology about the Bible. It's a uh, set of beliefs that the student assumes is right. We never ask the question, what if there is some error in the things I've been taught about God? And the real problem is, these errors are passed on to the congregation as absolute truth. Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Have you ever questioned yourself about, well, chances are you haven't, because you're scared, you're afraid to ex actually admit this. But you, if you're really honest with yourself, sometimes you will ask yourself the question, why am I not getting any more out of my religion? I mean, the most powerful being in the universe. You claim to worship the most powerful being in the universe. And you claim to know the Lord. Maybe you go to church faithfully. And you're just barely getting by. Your prayers don't seem to get beyond the ceiling. You don't feel God's leading leadership in your life. You feel powerless. You have more questions than you have answers. And here is this being that Job talked about that said, referring to God, Job is referring to God, he says, you may come this far, but no further. Here your proud waves will stop. So here's a being that commands the very, uh, owns the very power of the oceans, and comes right up to this point, right up to the seashore, but no further. And here you are, here's this being that has created all this, and here you are floundering around with a meaningless, purposeless, purposeless, accomplished nothing for God life. Why are you not getting any more out of your religion? Now I want to tell you why. I'm going to answer the question right now as to why, even though you probably would never admit it, even though you tolerate church going and God's fan club, you tolerate it, but I'm going to tell you why you're not getting any more out of your religion. It's because you have believed the big lie about salvation. And the big lie goes something like this, that salvation is the easiest thing you ever do. All it takes is, you know, just call on the name of the Lord. Just believe. Just invite Jesus into your heart. Just raise your hand. Have you ever seen these little religious tracks? Have you ever questioned that? That there's got to be a little bit more to salvation than, than me reading a little, maybe one paragraph, and signing on the dotted line that there's got to be a little bit more to salvation, to a relationship with God, than that? Why? Why are you not getting any more out of your religion? The reason is you've believed all the lies concerning salvation, what I call propaganda, 
And propaganda is just slogans that are, it's little one-liners that people repeat over and over again. That's all propaganda is. That's all religious propaganda is. And the propaganda says, just believe, just invite Jesus into your heart. Just give your heart to the Lord. You know, Jesus is the reason for the season. You hear that at Christmas time. Grace plus nothing. All of this is just what I call religious propaganda. And people begin, because low information people like this stuff, because they don't have to think for themselves. Oh yeah, I can just, yeah, Jesus is the reason for the season. Wow, look at that guy get throwing up. Look at, look at that guy charging his credit card up. But Jesus is the reason for the season. Low information people love this stuff because they don't, they love propaganda because they don't have to think for themselves. You see, you have disconnected yourself from the power of God by the way you think. Your religious way of thinking, the way you think religiously, you have disconnected yourself from the greatest power source out there by the way that you are thinking. Now, let me illustrate this. If I were to ask you to tell me, what is your doctrine concerning salvation? Well, let me show you the doctrine of salvation from the Bible, okay? Hold on to your seats, because you've never heard this before from your preacher. You've heard just the opposite from your preacher, but you've never heard what the real Word of God says on this subject. I'm going to show you the doctrine of salvation from the pages of your own Bible. Hebrews 5 and verse 9, here it is. And being made perfect, speaking of Christ, he became the author, notice that, the author, the designer, the creator, of eternal salvation. We're not just talking about salvation here. We're talking about eternal, what we all want, salvation, unto all of them that obey him. Jesus put it like this. If you will enter into life, keep the commandments. You see, the reason you're not getting any more out of your religion is because you've always wanted to believe a lie that obedience is just not that important when it comes to a relationship with God, when it comes to salvation. That's, that's the reason you're not getting any more out of your religion. And yet this verse, let's look at it again. Hebrews 5 and verse 9. And he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Folks, listen to me. Obedience has always been the issue when it comes to a relationship with God. Now, I know obedience is not what saves us. We're saved by grace. But the moment you pick up your Bible and start reading in the book of Genesis, at the very creating creation account, the issue is obedience. The Genesis story is about two trees. You can eat of this one, don't eat of that one. You know, it's just like if you take a kid and lock that kid in a room full of toys and on one of the toys you put a red sticker and you say you can play with all these other 99 toys, but don't touch the one with the red sticker. Even though that child has 99 other nicer toys to play with, when you leave the room, when you turn your back, that's the toy. The child is going to pick up the one with the big red sticker. You see, real salvation has always been, been about the issue of obedience. Will you obey me or will you not obey me? Mankind is not obedient. Therefore, 
We must make him obedient. This has always been the issue from the get-go. Now, you know, a lot of people, a lot of religious people believe, well, Jesus lived his life of obedience so that I don't have to. That's the dumbest concept I've ever heard of. How could anybody with three brain cells lined up in a row think like that? Well, Christ lived a life of obedience so that I don't, ha that I don't have to. And you hear this stuff, grace plus nothing. The law's been done away with. The law's been abolished. <clears throat> you know, it's like the way Christ, a lot of religious people believe the way that Christ dealt with this issue of obedience is to do away with the law. It's sort of like a law officer who, he's got this one intersection where this stop sign, people keep running the stop sign. And he says, I know what I'll do. I'll just tear down the stop sign. Now, does that make any sense to you? And yet, that is precisely how religious people, a lot of religious people think when it comes to their theology. They think the way God dealt with our issue of disobedience is to just simply do away with the law. Doesn't make any sense, does it? Not a bit. Not a bit. And yet, that's what you hear in a lot of churches. Now, I'm going to be honest here, brutally honest. I try to be honest on this program all the time. But I'm really going to be honest this time. <laughs> There's only one law that, that most Christians have a problem with. And it is the fourth commandment, the Sabbath day. Now, you know, Christians don't have a problem with the other nine of the Ten Commandments. But there is that one that most Christians have a problem with. If you mention Sabbath day, all of a sudden, religious people bristle up and start telling you, oh, no, 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 that's mosaic, that's Jewish, that's for the Jews only, that's been done away with, we're not under the law, law's been abolished, been nailed to the cross. They come up with all of these excuses. Why? They don't have to keep the one commandment, the fourth commandment, that says, keep my Sabbath day. And just like Herod killed all the children in Bethlehem two, two years and under, to get rid of one holy one, Christians today kill all of God's law to get one of one certain holy day, and that is the Sabbath day. And so to deal, to deal with this one issue of Sabbath breaking, I don't want to keep the Sabbath, I don't want to be obedient to that one command, I'm going to kill all of God's law and say they have been all done away with, and they've been all fulfilled, and we're not under any of them. That's precisely what a lot of Christians have done. You know, let me, let me inform you, Christians, most of them, don't want to be obedient. And so they build an erroneous, false, lying theology. And you know, one day, God's going to ask you, why didn't you keep my commandments, all of them, including the fourth commandment? Why? And I hope you have a good answer when that day comes. And it's better that you hear this from me now than to hear it when you meet your Savior in the second resurrection. That's the second resurrection I said. Okay. Better that you hear this now from me so that you can change now. Point I'm trying to make. Obedience has always been the issue. Notice Deuteronomy 5 and verse 29. 
Oh, that there was such a heart in them. This is a lament from God. God is saying, oh, if there was a heart in them, that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. You see, the problem has always been man's rebellious, disobedient heart. The problem is not God's. You know, a lot of Christians will say, well, the problem is that nasty, rotten law. The law of God has nothing to do with my rebellious heart. And the problem is the law of God. And so you hear Christians talking about, you know, arguing with their perverted theology of, of, well, God, you know, grace plus nothing. There's nothing you must do. The law has been abolished. It's been nailed to the cross, especially that fourth one. Yeah. Now, what is God's solution to man's rebellion? What is his solution? Hebrews 8 and verse 7 says, For if the first covenant had been faultless, then there should have been no place have been sought for the second. Now I can just hear a lot of religious people say, oh, you see, that covenant, that first covenant, it was that nasty yoke of bondage. The law of God, particularly the fourth commandment. You know, well, let's continue on in Hebrews 8 and verse 8. For finding fault with them. Uh-oh. This tells you where the problem's at. The problem was not with the covenant. The problem was with the people trying to keep the covenant. Okay, we're, we're finding fault with them. He says, behold, the day comes, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. You see, the fault was man's rebellious, disobedient heart. That was the fault. And it's always been the problem. Don't you know that? It's always, how could you read the Bible in the beginning of Genesis and, real, and think anything different? That the problem has always been man's rebellious heart. I don't want to obey God. That's always been the problem. And the problem does not change because human nature doesn't change. Okay? Now, there was a time when I think preachers knew better or at least knew the proper role of God's law. Well, not anymore, but there was a time. There was a time. It, there was a time when preachers understood it's not that God has to change. It's not God's law that has to change. And it's not some new covenant that dismisses the law of God. There was a time when preachers understood that man is the problem, specifically his disobedience. Now, let's no, notice some quotes here from some famous uh, Evangelists. Martin Luther says this, the first duty of the gospel, the first duty of the gospel preacher is to declare God's law and show them the nature of sin. John Wesley said this, before I preach love, mercy, and grace, I must preach sin, law, and judgment. He also said, preach 90% law and 10% grace. Charles Spurgeon said, uh, they will never accept grace until they tremble before a just and holy law. Uh, another quote, the highest service to which a man may obtain on earth is to preach the law of God. Dwight L. Moody said, God, being a perfect God, had to give a perfect law, and the law was given not to save man, but to measure them. How true it is. Even more, the law must prepare the way for the gospel. To overlook this in instructing souls, this is Charles Finney 
He says, evermore the law must prepare the way for the gospel. To overlook this in instructing souls is almost certain to result in, result in false hope, the introduction of false standards of Christian experience, and to fill the church with false converts. Oh my goodness, how true it is. How true it is. You know, today, what we have being preached is about 98% grace, and you're lucky if you hear 2% of the law of God being preached today. Lucky if you hear 2% law and obedience. Now, if you're a minister and that describes you, that you're, you're just preaching 98% grace, 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 and only 2% the law of God, do us all a favor and quit. Quit being a detriment to America. Just get out of the preaching business and go find a, an honest occupation. Now, if you're not preaching the law of God, you are worthless in the hands of God. Now, I didn't say you couldn't own a mega church. I didn't say you couldn't have a $100,000 income. I didn't say that your congregation will not love you. I'm just saying you're worthless. That's all I'm saying. All right. Let's continue on in Hebrews 8 and verse 9. Speaking about this covenant. And not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they continue not in my covenant. Notice, they didn't continue in God's covenant. And I regarded them not, says the Lord. Well, again, what's this talking about? They continued not in my covenant. That's talking about disobedience. Disobedience has always been the problem. It's always been man's problem, okay? From the beginning of Genesis, it's always been man's problem. And now, listen to me. God's not going to spend eternity with a pack of rebels. Do you understand that? Do you understand that God's not going to spend eternity with a pack of rebels? He's not going to spend eternity with practicing sinners. Now, if you're a Christian and you've never heard the doctrine of salvation, that is the real doctrine of salvation that I'm presenting today, what have you been doing? Why are you in church if you've never heard this? The doctrine of salvation is Hebrews 5 and verse 9. And being made perfect, speaking of Jesus, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Hebrews 8 and verse 10, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts and be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. Now, question. Look at what it says. It says, I'm going to put my laws, I'm going to write them into their hearts, and I will put my laws into their minds and write them in their hearts. Does this sound, this, this is speaking of the new covenant, by the way. Does this sound like God's going to abolish the law, nail it to his cross, uh, Christ lived his life of obedience so that you don't have to? Is that what that sounds like? Now, I can just hear someone say, well, I, I get it. The, the law is in there. You just don't have to keep it. Well, what kind of idiotic nonsense is that? You can't spiritualize God's law away. John 14 and verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. Oh, well, that means we, we love God and you, and you love your fellow man. That's all that means. 
Just two commandments, love God, love your fellow man. Well, yeah, I, Jesus summarized the Ten Commandments. The first four tell you how to love God, including the fourth commandment. The last six tells you how to love your fellow man. You didn't think that, that it was just up to you to figure out how to love God and love your fellow man, do, did you? No, no. You've got to be shown how to do that. And the law of God tells you how to do that. It tells you, number one, how to love God with the first four commandments. And it tells you how to love your fellow man, your neighbor, with the last six commandments. Now, what I'm saying is this. There is a doctrine of salvation. And the doctrine of salvation is in your Bible. Here it is again. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. You know, you compare that to those little cheap religious tracts that you see where it says just sign on a dotted line and you can be saved. That's a bunch of nonsense. It's a bunch of nonsense. It's not true. You've been lied to about the Bible. Now, how can you truly obey God? Well, number one, you've got to be given the power to obey God. How does it work? Act Acts 5 and verse 32 begins to tell us. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to them that obey him. God gives his spirit to those who are willing to submit and willing to obey him. That's whom God will empower. The power to obey God comes from God. It's called receiving the spirit of God. And God doesn't give that spirit to someone that he cannot rule, that he cannot control. He doesn't give that spirit to a pack of rebels. No. You've got to be willing to obey God. That's whom God, that's who God gives his spirit to. Now, in Revelation 22 and verse 14, it says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. You know, this doctrine of salvation comes full circle here. We begin in the book of Genesis talking about two trees. You know, if you eat of this one, you can live. If you eat of that one, you're going to die. It's all about obedience. And here we come full circle back around to this tree of life. And it tells us about this tree of life. It says, blessed are they that do his commandments, obedience, that they may have right to the tree of life. Obedience is not what saves us. Grace is what saves us. But God doesn't save people he cannot control. Okay? Continue in Revelation 22 and verse 15. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. You know, it talks about those that have believed a lie. And there's a lot of religious people out there who basically all their religious experience have been believing a lie about salvation. And that's why you're not getting any more out of your religion. Listen, the greatest being of the universe, the one that has this kind of power, this being called God, can empower your life. He can make you come alive. He can make you, he can fulfill you in your desires. 
to know him, to understand him, to serve him. And the reason you're not getting any more out of your religion is because you've believed a lie about salvation. You've believed a bunch of religious propaganda about salvation. And the lie that, we have been, that people have been believing is simply this, I can be saved without my willingness, without the willingness to obey God. That's the lie that you've been sold. I can be saved without the willingness to obey God. And basically, I've just described today's modern day churches. I'm David Freeman, and that's what's really in your Bible. Is it possible to change the man or the woman in the mirror? And if so, how? Are we simply victims of our past behaviors with no way out of our sins and addictions? Jesus told a woman to go and sin no more. This is real change. No longer a slave to sin. But how is this possible? You were created incomplete lacking the necessary drive and desire that would cause you to do the right thing. The bottom line is this. You need a second spirit. Man's real problems are spiritual in nature, and the natural man simply cannot solve spiritual problems. How can we know what is right, and how can we have the desire and power to choose what is right? Real change is possible and the ability to please God is possible, but it is only possible by receiving God's spiritual DNA. Order your free booklet entitled, How You Can Change and Please God. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is is that really in the Bible.net? This program has been paid for by the tithes and offerings of the Church of God Rocky Mount and friends of this ministry. If you have been challenged by listening to this program, then consider that a great blessing. You can visit us on the web at is that really in the Bible.net. It is the support of people like you that make this ministry possible. If you have been blessed by this understanding given to you today, then consider making a donation by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151.